Lisa. I'm Julie. And this is Two Sober Chicks. Welcome to our show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> you want to sing along with the ladies now? Is that oh. it? Oh. Yeah. Um, okay, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a very difficult topic today because Ooh. it's a very tense topic with no real answer and no. no winner on either side and it's about people in professions that are responsible for the welfare of others but are also in recovery and struggling mm-hmm. so um and it's about anonymity it's about anonymity it's about the horrible position that we or they put everyone around them in um for example i have a member of my family who flew planes for a living on um, a major airline. And although this person never went to work intoxicated, when they weren't working, it was on. And as a family, we were all like, what the hell do we do with this? Because we know that, and especially after I got into recovery, I know what it does to the brain. So even though this person may not drink for two or three days before they take people on a flight, there was always that like, what how are they being responsible for all those people? Yeah. And what do you say? Or my grandfathers they used to drive drunk and the family threatening to call the police, but no one ever did. Right. Because the consequences of outing someone can be so big, but on the other end of the spectrum, what if they do harm to other people? Right. Yeah. And we talked about that. Like, yeah, if we maybe make that phone call on a family member, like, hey, my father just left here and he's driving drunk. Um, and then they get picked up. We could have potentially saved them from killing someone Mm -hmm. and then them going to prison for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But now you look at the negative flip side is, well, but now they have a DUI. Now they've been picked up for drinking and driving or maybe they lose their license. But it's like, how do we make those decisions and how do we navigate that? And as people who sit in the rooms too, we hear a lot of stuff and it's like, oh, and again, we were talking about judgment just on the last podcast it's like that's one of the things that I'm I think that's probably why this came up for me because I'm working on this right now and it's like anonymity is so important to this program because it's so vital that we feel safe because our secrets keep us sick so we need that safe place to go to be able to talk about I'm struggling with this and this is what I you know this is what I do for a living and you know I'm really scared that I'm gonna or fuck up when I'm when I'm drinking or or whatever and then I see it a lot. I think this is the other thing that made me think of this topic was on television shows. I have seen a lot of television shows lately where they, somebody's always in recovery. Somebody's, and there's in the rooms, they're in the rooms. It was on Breaking Bad for a while. It's been on a bunch of other shows where, and it really bothered me when I saw this, where they send someone in, like a cop is trying to investigate someone and they send them in to AA to what? pretend to be someone else. <gasps> to oh, pretend to be that's... a person needing AA. Ooh, and then that's they befriend good. the person over coffee. You know what that stirred up in me? <laughs> I was oh, like, that's bad. holy shit. Now I can't have coffee with strangers. And, you know, I can't make new friends in AA. Because who knows? It, it made me, it brought out all the old isms, right? The paranoia and... Right. Yeah. I was like, wow. And imagine if you're a newcomer and you're seeing, I'm... I've been sober for a while and I was like eh. and then I'm like wait a second I, I got nothing to hide I'm sober and things are things are fine yeah. but it made me think about that newcomer how is a newcomer seeing a show like that gonna Ever walk gonna into trust a, it. Yeah. an AA meeting and be able to trust so it but it, I guess it was also a good reminder of that's why people are paranoid I can remember um 
this guy that I worked with for a short time and him saying, what's in it for you? Like, what do you get out of this? He was like waiting for us to charge him or um, to sell him some religious package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just couldn't get his head around that. He kept waiting for what's in it for what's you. What's the hook? Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen here? But, um, well, that's why they have groups. There is uh, Birds of a Feather is the pilot's only AA and then you have caduceus which is for doctors nurses people in the medical profession Mm -hmm. like there is a reason that there are these separate groups only of those individuals to be able to go to recovery because of fears like that yeah yeah and uh there there is one for cops as well oh I didn't know that special I don't know what the name is but there's a special group where cops can tend and yeah I imagine then they get a chance to talk more too about the trauma that they've suffered because mm-hmm. I don't think that you can talk about all that trauma in a regular open AA meeting. You would traumatize everybody there. Yeah. And but, I mean, it's similar to the fact that when we share, usually in the big book, it talks about a general way. Like mm-hmm. it is not the place to share, for example, your childhood sexual trauma. Right. A, because of triggers for other people, but B, because th- these are not trained we're not trained therapists. Even a sponsor is not a counselor or a therapist. But that's where you can talk about your trauma because that's how you work through your fourth. But when we're in the rooms, the focus should be, what am I struggling with now? Right. And how is the program helping me? Be honest about where you're at. But yeah. learning to discern what's appropriate to drop in a meeting. Like a meeting I was in one time where someone was talking about how they had just committed assault against a family member and they felt pretty good about themselves because they were able to, I think it was, they were able to recognize where they went wrong. And I'm thinking, okay, or I've heard of men who describe the beatings they gave their wives or girlfriends like in detail in a share. And I'm thinking this, and I, what they're not doing it for any other reason to say, look how far I've come. Right. But there's a way to mention it, like I used to abuse my spouses and Mm -hmm. I now realize how that's wrong and I put a pillow over her head and held a gun to her face and was screaming at her. Like these are shares I've heard in the rooms. And I'm thinking, has a long timer not pulled you aside or your sponsor said, that's a little TMI. Yeah. (laughs) Tell your sponsor, put it on your fourth, tell your therapist, but... That's, that's a great point. Um, um, again, another integral reason why it's important to have a sponsor. Um, my sponsor and I don't go to the same meeting. We live at opposite ends of the city. Um, but when we met, we did go to the same meeting. And so he would hear my shares all the time. And it's interesting because um, earlier I had a couple of different sponsors and they didn't take me aside. And I look back now and remembered how I used to share and I can think, wow, how come nobody ever took me aside and said, mm-hmm. hey, shit show, mm-hmm. <laughs> shut it the fuck down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was way too much information. Or how about the solution? And why didn't you tell me that story so that we could talk about Interesting. the solution? Yeah. Um, but Luke, he's he was good at doing that. Yeah. You know, catching me and taking me aside. Or he taught me even better to call him with the problems. That's what he taught me. He said, you bring your problems and your shit to me. Mm -hmm. We talk about it. We talk about the solution as outlined in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous because it's not my program. He's always saying things like that. It's not my program. It's the program. Yeah. And then you can take the problem with a solution to the meeting. Basically, so you don't depress the shit out of people (laughs) or trigger people or fuck other people up. So, um, 
But back to, um, we were talking about anonymity and this struggle with, Mm -hmm. um, people who have these difficult, challenging jobs where they are responsible for other people's lives. Doctors, nurses, you mentioned pharmacists, pharmacists. We had a friend recently, um, think, and this person may or may not have been, it may have, may or not have been true, but it was thought that a pharmacist had taken meds that were required for someone else yeah. in their pain. Morphine. Yes. And when they went to get their medication, the pharmacy said, oh no, th- those were picked up already. And they were told it was picked up by someone else. And they went through their family members and no one had picked up this medication. So they went back to the pharmacist and they were like, no, th- there's no one has picked this up. You've and we can do mistake. nothing about it. Sorry. Yeah. Shit out of luck is what they basically told them. And then later upon further investigation, they found it. Yes. Oh, it was still at the store. So that made all of us in recovery go, Hmm. Uh huh. I wonder who's the addict at that location. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they they were maybe stealing medication. And this is just us, you know, hypothesizing, and we have no idea if it's true or not. But it it brought again, it fed into this topic of there's another situation where there's a person who's responsible for doling out life saving uh, and pain reducing medication. And what if they're stealing it? What if they're using it for themselves, mm-hmm. you know? And we hear this person come in and they share this story in AA. Well, it's tough. And that's why we said there's no uh-huh. answer for this. We can't tell people, oh yeah, you should report it. Because on the on the flip side, we also talk about how this is an anonymous program. Yeah. I thankfully have never been put in that position where I'm troubled as I've left a meeting as to what the right or wrong thing to do is. And mind you, uh, the person who's sharing that is not going and saying, I'm the surgeon at Toronto uh, General North Hospital (laughs) and I have been stealing meds and I was totally unfit to do that surgery the other day. Like no one's going to say that to begin with, but it's just acknowledging the tension and the struggle we live in in that world, Mm -hmm. right? You know, what if some a mother comes in and talks about how she beats her kids when she's drunk? Like, wow. Yeah. These are d- terribly difficult situations. I think what it does highlight out again, highlight again, is the importance of sponsorship. So mm-hmm. hopefully the sponsor's there and hearing these struggles and is then going to coach this person and say, look, maybe you need to look at taking a leave of absence or maybe you need to um, go to uh, take some time off and go to rehab. And I know the struggle for nurses and doctors specifically is, um, well, if I tell them, then they're going to be watching me. If I tell them why I'm taking a leave of absence. So maybe there's a way to investigate that. Maybe you can take a leave of absence without telling them that it's about addiction issues Mm -hmm. and just say you need some mental health time off. I don't know. Which isn't a lie. Um, But the thing is, once we hit this program and we align ourselves up with the truth, it's then very difficult to not live in that light. And sometimes living in the truth is pulling up your pants and saying, I've got to accept responsibility for whatever consequence has occurred because of my dishonesty and my addiction. That's the only way you're ever truly free because you may experience the consequences for a while, a long while, but there comes a point where you outlive the consequence if you're living in, in the stream mm-hmm. and you move on to a better life where you don't have to look over your shoulder anymore or feel guilt. Yeah. I think this also ties into the um, public safety side of um, the topic of safety at meetings. Like if there is a predator at a meeting who mm-hmm. is um, sexually assaulting women, mm-hmm. um, that's when your anonymity goes out the window for me. If I have witnessed an act 
of something like that, like sexual assault. It's yeah. different if you're talking about your past struggles and, you know, you are a recovering alcoholic or addict and you had that happen in your past. Um, then part of our program of recovery is about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're actively engaging in those acts mm-hmm. in an AA meeting and making it unsafe for other people to attend, to me, that's when you've blown your anonymity. Absolutely. Not me. You still have to have a code of conduct yes. in a group of people that's acceptable. I've it, only ever run into one predator in my six years, eight years in the rooms. And uh, I warned other women every time I was in a meeting with him, especially yeah. newcomer women. Like, see that guy over there? Don't go near him. Yeah. Do not. Yeah. He was also in um, the mental health field and would date his patients. And this is, you know, it may seem old fashioned when they say men with men and women with women, but that's one of the reasons. It's about trying to protect people, especially the little birds, the newcomers, Mm -hmm. right? The baby birds. We've got to protect them. Uh, We are a flock. Um, Yeah, so those are some things about anonymity too, like if it's unsafe. And the General Service Organization of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is, I guess, the board that governs us by volunteers as well, they have come up with that a code of conduct Mm -hmm. and that basically is if someone is doing something or someone comes into a a meeting and says i'm leaving here and i have a gun and i'm gonna go shoot somebody um yeah i'm that'd be a time where i'm gonna call Call the the cops on you oh yeah (laughs) you don't get to come in and you know say oh i'm gonna hide behind my anonymity for something serious like that that's not what we're saying but it's like in those moments of uncomfortableness Mm -hmm. when someone is talking about their addiction affecting a work situation where they deal with the safety and lives of others. Mm-hmm. Like if a police officer was drinking on the job, mm-hmm. that's a, a cause for great concern. Mm-hmm. You know, you're out there supposed to be protecting and saving lives and you're carrying a weapon. So it is a challenging, it's a challenging tightrope sometimes to sit in the rooms of AA, but we couldn't survive without it either. So yeah. And these are very small um, infrequent occurrences, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people and including us, it's a, it's a hard place to be when it does happen. Yeah. So hopefully those people have sponsors and, mm-hmm. and then you can take your anxiety and your worries and fear to your sponsor. Mm-hmm. That's another, I guess, solution. Have you ever, I mean, I've wanted to do this a million times, but have I ever gone to someone's sponsor about your concerns about their sponsee? I'm trying to think. I feel like I did one time and I don't remember in what context yeah. it was. Because that's a questionable yeah, I thing as well. I don't think so. Like, I mean, I've been good at, well, what is their sponsor saying? Like when I get self-righteous. Mm-hmm. But then I think about how I have sponsees where people could probably say that about me, about their behavior. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not somebody's caretaker. Right. I'm not God. I think it came up recently in our circles where someone was like, maybe you should talk to their sponsor about what they're doing. Oh, it was about vaping. <gasps> That's right. Somebody and was... I ended up reaching out to the member and saying, just so you know, yeah. vaping and like, there are people that are concerned about your vaping in meetings. And this person yeah. was like, oh, I had no idea. Cool. I won't do it anymore. Right. So nobody had to go to this person's sponsor. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I have a sponsor who vapes and I was like, <laughs> I said, do you vape in meetings? She has. <laughs> I've seen her do it. I'm like, just so you know. <laughs> and then after that, what she does is is on her. 
Yeah. So I said, it is illegal to yeah. vape inside. Even though it's just steam or whatever, it's it's actually illegal to do that. It's here in Toronto, at it, least. Yes. You it, can't vape anywhere where you can't smoke. And here, yeah. you, it used to be you can't smoke within nine meters of a building. And now it's like you can't smoke on the premises, on the sidewalks, which is awesome. Yeah. Because I hate walking through that cloud of smoke outside of the meeting. Yeah. But that's also included vaping. And in malls and stuff now, nobody, you're not supposed to vape. Mm-mm. So... So that was my, as a sponsor, I did my duty when I thought, hmm, I wonder if they're talking about my sponsee. Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, cause I don't think we discussed who, who it was, which is, is good. Um, no, it was someone I knew. So I thought, oh. I mean, someone we all knew, but I was in contact with this okay. person. And after that, no more, like we'd be sitting in a tight circle in a meeting and this person would be like, mm-hmm. as if no one could see like turning away and vaping and then keeping it in and slowly. Re- and I'm, I remember looking yeah. over going. Dude, seriously? Yeah. But nobody said anything. There was a, a situation at a group that I was a part of um, where a man was behaving badly with a female and the female talked to her sponsor about it and was advised, you need to set a boundary. You need to tell him this is unwanted behavior and we will back you up as the old timers of the group. Oh, good. We will be present. Uh, and um, so this person couldn't do it verbally, so they did it with a letter. Uh, and they handed the letter to this uh, to this person, and that person was very upset. Um, but she wasn't alone, and there were other people there who were privy to the information. Good. And there was a little bit of drama, but um, the person left the group for a little bit, and then they came back. And mm-hmm. there's been no incident since. So good, you know. I think again, that was a good situation of boundaries being set and um, talking about it, not yeah. keeping a secret, or not just leaving a group. Yeah. Because someone is behaving badly, addressing the problem. Um, I don't know if that person has a sponsor, but again, it was about the group being made aware of the situation. Yeah. And then it was something that's come up in a lot of group conscious meetings because we are, there are no leaders in AA. You know, we do not have a governing board. We, we govern ourselves. So, um, it's up to us, especially the people who've been around longer um, who hopefully behave better. <laughs> you would hope. To help guide um, the people who are still learning how to function in society. Because that's something that I didn't know and I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. How to function in society. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Thanks. That was a good topic. Good topic. Interesting topic. Yeah. I think we have one or one or two more to pull out before we're done recording for today. So, yeah. hang on. We've got another episode of Two Sober Chicks coming at you in yeah. just a moment. We thank you for listening. We love and appreciate all of you. And we hope wherever you're listening, this finds you well. If not and you need support, you can always email us at twosoberchicks at gmail.com or on our Instagram at twosoberchicks. Right. All right. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Adios.